I want you to uh, say this after me. Say, uh, I'm ready to receive today. I believe and declare I'm not going out the same way that I came in. I will receive the word of God, which does not change, which does not fail, which brings me light and understanding and directs my path. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's uh, so good to declare over yourself what you believe to be true. Whether you're by yourself or with other people that would understand, it's, it's important to speak the word. And uh, because then you actually point that direction in your life. And you, uh, you know, uh, how, many, how many of you know you should meditate in the word of God? meditate in the Word of God. It's important to meditate in the Word of God, but one of the best ways I think to meditate, especially with, uh, uh, when you're with other believers, but even when you're not, is not to say uh, Romans 1.8 says, but to actually just, you know, speak the Word in your daily life. In other words, in every situation, that uh, you see someone going through something and you say, so glad that the word of God is more powerful than anything the devil has to offer, that the Lord gives us direction, that the Lord gives us words to speak. And, you know, um, I know I said to uh, a minister friend of mine one time, I was talking about when we were praying about uh, where to pastor and different things like that, and I said something about, uh, something was said about pastoring in the South, and I said, oh, I don't know, it's kind of hot down there. And uh, I had no intention of that affecting where I was going to pastor. You know, I have intention to be led by the Spirit, but uh, it was actually Pastor Mark, and he said, looked at me, and he said, who should I point at? <laughs> he said, I never make a decision based upon an area, money, or lack of money. I am always led by the Spirit of God. Well, you see, like, he could say that for me, but he could say it for himself, Right? So you can say stuff for yourself and you can say stuff to other people. Now, you know, he's uh, really a mentor to me, so he can talk to me that way. So I don't suggest you talk to other people that way unless you have that type of relationship with them. But the point is, you can say for yourself, like somebody says something like that, and you can say for yourself, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm tempted to do that sometimes, make a decision based on the natural area. But what I do is I make decisions based upon the leading I have on the inside. You see, what you just did is not only did you help the other person, but you just directed your own course. In other words, you just declared. You just said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? Remember John Osteen in an elevator? You probably heard the story, but he's in an elevator going up, and this guy gets in the elevator, and he just is cussing a blue streak. How would you say it? Beep, 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 beep. Like that, right? And John Osteen said, are you done? He's like, oh, uh, I guess. He said, I demand equal time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Because why? Why do, you, why do you have to sit there and put up with that? You know, and so many times uh, we sit there and put up with stuff that we really don't have to put up with. And um, I'm not really talking about uh, coming against other people, but I'm saying you can have one person come in a group of people 
and affect the whole atmosphere negatively. And then one person come and affect the whole thing positively. But PC culture would say, like, the negative is okay, but the positive, especially if it involves Jesus, is not okay. Actually, it is okay. It's more than okay. And so we put up with things, uh, not only in those type of situations, but in our life that... Jesus actually paid the price, made a way, and gave us the Holy Spirit to help us that we don't have any business putting up with. Like that we don't need to put up with because why? He gave us authority. He said, I put you in charge. Right? So if you're in charge of our little uh, coffee and drinks and stuff like that, uh, then you could just set it up however you want. Right? So you could decide it's going to be here, it's going to be there. Like it's your house, you're in charge, so you can pick how the furniture is arranged. If you have me over to your house, I don't have a right to say, uh, we're going to move your couch over there because I don't like it there. I don't have authority there. I don't have authority in your house. Um, just like you don't have authority in my house. And so, but you have authority where uh, you have dominion. And so you have authority in your own house. So, you know, um, concerning a lot of things, and a lot of times we'll look at authority and just uh, relegate it basically to a direct um, speaking to demonic forces, which is surely true. But, you know, I can speak <laughs> uh, from being a parent is that I have authority over my children. And so uh, whatever I allow... Uh, they will do, and a lot of times push the envelope. <laughs> so we try to teach them, like, don't, don't get close, like, to the line. Like, you don't want to say, like, if we say this is the rule, you can't do this. Like, don't go as close to that as you can. <laughs> like, that's a bad lifestyle, right? <laughs> you know, so if you're working and, you know, the hours are set from 9 to 5, you know, to just be ready to punch out at uh, 4.59 is probably not uh, the employee that your uh, supervisor is looking for. And, um, you know... It's like if you ever gone up to a gas station or somewhere and they close at 10 p.m. and you're there and the door is shut at 9.55. <laughs> and I always think if I was the owner, I would be very displeased with them, <laughs> right? So I managed a supermarket, wasn't the main store manager, but I was one of the front end people and uh, when we would close and stuff like that. And so I would make sure we closed at 10 p.m. So I actually had that authority. And so I made sure we were open till 10.05 so that when people came up, they weren't like, oh, you know, because I'm realizing like everybody's watch is not set the same. And, you know, also people would just be running late and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what? It's going to be much better if somebody comes up and I'm shutting the door at 10.05 and say, I'm sorry, we're closed. Then if I'm doing it at 9.59, <laughs> it's five different, five minutes different. Yeah. Right? But I had authority there. And so in your own life, you have authority. And you choose what you allow and what you don't allow. Jesus actually said, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, one translation says, Whatever you allow will be allowed. And whatever you disallow will be disallowed or will not be allowed. And so um, it's the easiest thing in the world to go with the flow. And like, this is what's happening, and I don't understand why this is happening, and uh, uh, say it's uh, financial stuff, so like, uh, everything on your vehicle is breaking, everything in your house is breaking, and um, 
Uh, I'm not even saying you live in a natural world, so I'm not even saying that's all like a, a demonic force or anything like that. But what I am saying is it's real easy in those situations to say, I don't know why everything's breaking. Seems like everything is always breaking. Seems like I'm, and that's where you leave it. But God said, I have given you authority, and I have called you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And so for us, it's to say that uh, I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. I have the blessing of the Lord. And um, then you don't succumb to, to going that direction. So I know like um, even in uh, moving out here and selling our house and different things like that, uh, we started way ahead of time declaring how it was going to be. And um, actually in Isaiah, the Lord said, declare thou that thou may be justified. Right? He even said, put me in remembrance. Um, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. And he's talking about um, your sins. I'll blot out your sins and I won't remember them anymore. Declare that you may be justified. Uh, I think that's in Isaiah 43, but if you look over in Isaiah 45, you find out that he says, concerning my sons and the work of my hands, command you me. Right? And do you remember in uh, Genesis, uh, I think it's Genesis 9, Abraham talking about Sodom and Gomorrah where Lot lived and the Lord said, uh, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? And the Lord, Abraham, had he said nothing, the Lord would have just destroyed it right then. But Abraham said, what did he do? He put the Lord in remembrance. He said, wouldn't the judge of all do right? He said, per se, there's 50 righteous in that city. Would you destroy it then? And the Lord said, no, I'll do as you say. If there's 50 righteous, I'll not destroy that city. But there weren't 50 righteous. So uh, Abraham said to the Lord, well, what about 40? Wouldn't you do right? Would you destroy the whole city? If there's 40 righteous, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And this went on, like the audacity of Abraham to talk to God that way. Well, he's our father of faith. Abraham is called the father of faith. And he went on and on all the way till he got down to 10. And of course, uh, the Lord ended up having to destroy because they were pretty much just Lot and his family uh, in that city. But amazing that we actually have a standing with God. But our standing with God is really based in his word. And so the Lord wants to do certain things in the earth. And he's really held back because we don't pray to him or we don't stand our ground. And I know... Um, uh, I think it's in the, that book, The Believer's Authority, that, that you should have, is that uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, one of the first experiences he had along these lines was uh, with a guy in his church by the name of Brother Haynes. And he worked in the oil fields, and he worked up on an oil uh, dirk, you know, those big towers that they use to drive the uh, pipe down in to get the oil. And um, he fell off the top, and shattered like pretty much every bone in his body and they thought he was dead and um, they called Brother Hagen. He had just been actually to see him a few hours before and he's like, what, what do you mean? You know, he's dead. And uh, he's like, I just saw him. He's like, well, he just got into this accident. And so uh, he kind of uh, rushed over there and uh, Brother Haynes' wife was there 
And um, the doctor said, well, we thought he was dead, but he's not, and he'll never make it. He's just hanging by a thread. And um, about that time, Brother Haynes' wife went to Brother Hagen and said, uh, they don't think he's going to make it, do they? And he said, no, they don't. And she said, isn't it good that we have inside information? <laughs> and she meant information inside the Word of God. And so they... Um, uh, are just trying to make him as comfortable as they can so he can die right there, uh, the medical uh, professionals and stuff. And, um, but uh, So they're believing God, and the doctor finally says after about an hour, hour and a half, well, I didn't think he'd make it this long. Maybe we can try to transport him to the hospital. And uh, Dad Higgins said, he said, I think the doctor must have realized we were keeping him there. So he said, why don't you ride in the ambulance? <laughs> <laughs> to uh, Brother Hang, who was pastor then, why don't you uh, why don't you ride in the ambulance with them? And so he did, and they got to the hospital, and uh, he's in the hospital for about three days. And of course, his wife is there, uh, Sister Haynes, and they're in the hospital. And you know, he began to take a turn for the worse, uh, and uh, she's very tired. And so uh, Brother Hang said, well, "Why don't you go home and rest? I'm here. I'll be here. He's there the whole time." And um, because she's, she's getting tired, and when you're, you're tired, it's hard to yield to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's hard to yield to spiritual things. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but when you're tired, it's the easiest time to like be snappy <laughs> and to be upset, and it's harder to believe God. And so he sent her home, basically, and said, I'll stay. Well, he's also tired. Um, in the middle of the night, he starts uh, dozing off, and as he's dozing off, because uh, he, he's in the room there, he noticed uh, Brother Haynes... Uh, is dying. And um, so the nurse came in quick and checked him and everything like that and thought, oh, I don't, he's not going to make it through the night. I'll guarantee you he will not make it through the night. And Brother Hagen just kind of, he said, I was unconsciously led to do this. And he said, I just went out in the hallway and uh, the hospital. And he just said, I found myself saying, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. And he said, he gives 30% of his income into the church. He's our Sunday school director. I don't have a better man in the church. I'm not going to let him die. And um, um, and so about that time, Brother Haynes kind of like opened his eyes and um, started to improve and improve. And uh, by the morning, the uh, nurse said, well, I didn't think he was going to make it, but I think he's going to be all right now. And the doctor came and said, well, we can't believe this. Like he's recovering. And he came back. And uh, the only thing he had was his uh, elbow was shattered and all splinters, so they couldn't even put it back. But um, the Lord did what's called a continuing miracle in that they would x-ray his elbow and see that it was completely shattered, and there's no ability to move his arm, but he would go like this, and he could move his arm. <laughs> and the doctor, you know, like, jump, like, what are you, what are you doing? And um, the insurance actually paid out for the loss of the use of his elbow. And... Um, uh, then he paid his tithe on it because he went to Brother Hagen and he said, well, should I accept the insurance money? Because it works. And uh, so he had gone back to them and, and said, you know, you can't give me insurance money because it works. And they said, no, we go by the doctor's report. The doctor's report says your elbow does not work and so you have to have the money. <laughs> so he got the money and paid his tithe. <laughs> but interesting uh, sequel to that is Brother Haynes, Brother Hagen didn't tell anybody that. He did not even pray that in the room. He's out in the hallway. And so um, Brother Haynes, I heard Brother Hagen talking about it. He said, well, you know what happened. He said, he said, don't feel sorry. 
He said, all I know is I was up there, and the next thing I knew, I was up in heaven, and I saw Jesus. And he said, I was so happy to see him, and, you know, Jesus has taken my hand to lead me in. And he said, about that time, Jesus said, uh, you have to go back. You have to go back to the earth. And he said, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the earth. And he said, it seemed like uh, Jesus pulled back this curtain and said, Brother Hagin won't let you come. And he said, at that moment, I heard you say, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. And uh, this is really, the, this incident and one with his father-in-law are the two main incidents that really got him going to study in this because he's, as he would say it, he said, it ticked me off. <laughs> because he's like, there's something there I don't know. And like I, I got into that and I didn't plan to get into that. In other words, I didn't pre, he didn't premeditate. He just kind of found himself praying and found himself saying. I like Charles Finney. You know, he was a great revivalist here in the United States, especially up in New York. And whole cities would turn to God. So that like they would have movies, not like movies we have now. Like like nice. clean movies. <laughs> and so they would have movies, but nobody was going to see movies. Nobody was going to uh uh Drink alcohol because they're all so interested in church and the things of God. And Charles Finney said, I found myself saying in prayer, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? You don't think it's possible to not because I have come with your word and I have your word as a guarantee that what I'm praying will come to pass. And so what I'm talking about is we actually have a lot more authority sometimes than what we realize. And you see, things in the earth were not going... uh, the way that the Lord had intended, of course, he knew Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, so he knew this would happen, but he had to send himself, Christ, into the earth in order for the second Adam to fix what the first Adam did because he's a just God, and so that then he could once again return authority to mankind so that the devil, who is the God of this world until his lease runs out, cannot have dominion over the people of God. Right? And so that we have dominion and we have access. You know, there's, um, I've, I've heard that story for um, years, really. And um, of course, I think it's, like I said, it's in the Believer's Authority. But um, just last year, I was uh, studying some stuff and the Lord drew my attention over to Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42. And um, let's turn there uh, real quickly. Acts chapter 9 verse 36 through 42, talking about raising Dorcas from the dead. You know that story? Um, Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 36 through 42. Praise the Lord. We have dominion that we really haven't used, but yet it belongs to us. And the thing I love about the authority of the believer is that this authority doesn't belong just to people in what we call full-time ministry. This authority just doesn't belong to people that have been born again for five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years. This authority doesn't just belong to people that are full of the Holy Ghost. This authority belongs to every member of the body of Christ. The second someone is born again, they're born again, it comes with the package. They're born again with authority. And so the, the authority is not based on your goodness or your faithfulness or what you can do or what you have done. The authority is what you get as a child of God. It's like righteousness. You know, when you're, you don't become righteous, you don't grow into righteousness. 
You are born righteous, and you are born with authority. And so um, every single one of us has the same authority. It's a matter of whether we use it or not. Every single one has, has the same authority. So Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which uh, being interpreted is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deed, which she did. In other words, she gave to the poor and she had a lot of good works. And of course, we know here in a minute that she made clothing. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom they had washed uh, when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. So they washed her body, laid her in the upper chamber as, as they would do with uh, the dead bodies in those days. And for as much as Lydia was near to Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that they would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. This is, of course, where they had laid Tabitha or Dorcas. And all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth, in other words, put them out, kneeled down and prayed, and turning to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, I read that story, of course, if, you've read, you know, if you read the Bible regularly, then you've read that story for years, and, um, or for however long you've been born again. And so I read it and read it, and last year... I saw it, and I was actually talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, and I think that story of Brother Haynes is such an awesome story. I said, but I really like everything, and, and we tell testimonies, and the Bible says it makes fat the bones. In other words, it adds something to you when you hear testimonies and stuff. And I said, but I would really like an example, a uh, pretty clear example in your word. And so it wasn't right then, but I think it was like a week or two later, I was reading, and I saw this, and I said, oh, look at this. There was a disciple... Uh, at, at Joppa, named Tabitha or Dorcas. She was full of good works, alms deeds, which she did. And Brother Higgins said so many times, he said, you know, some people I couldn't have pled their case. It would have been really hard to plead their case. But this guy was one of the most, was the most faithful man in the church. And he gave 30% of his income. The way they knew that is because the IRS would not believe that anybody would give 30% of their income. He had to sign an affidavit. The pastor did, pa Brother Hagin, uh, saying that, yes, he gave this much of his income into the church. And so um, the point is not the amount, but the point is he was able to have boldness to stand and say, Lord, we need him. Because if we don't have him, it's really going to affect the church. And if, it's a, if I need him, he said, if I need him, you need him. Meaning what? Well, we're not here alone. We're working for the Lord. And so, uh, but the same thing here is real interesting because she did good works and alms among the people. And then they even came and put all, they, as soon as uh, the disciples came uh, to pray for her, what did they do? They brought in all the stuff she made and said, look what she did, look what she did, look what she did. We can't have her gone. We need her here. They, like the exact same thing. So the Lord blessed me and gave me a really good, what I consider a really good example. And um, from the word of God. But you realize uh, Abraham, uh, it was not at chapter 8, it was Genesis chapter uh, 18. Uh, but you realize that uh, we have a lot more authority than what we're using. And I love the, the story of the centurion where he said, you don't need to come to my house. You speak the word only. And then he said, why? He said, for I am a man under authority 
And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. And Jesus said, I have not found so great faith, not in all of Israel. Because this man understood authority. In other words, he understood Jesus actually had dominion and authority over all sickness, all disease, anything that the devil's trying to bring, and all he has to do is speak the word, and it's done. And so um, the authority that we have is not just for people like Brother Hagin, or it's not just for somebody that's in the pulpit like myself. It's for every single child of God. We all have that same authority. And so our stance a lot of times is we're waiting for somebody to do something. Well, I hope somebody's praying for me right now. Uh, If you're going by that, you probably almost lost already. The Bible says to pray for one another, but we each individually have access to God and he wants us to come to him. And prayer is not a uh, what is it, mystical thing. Prayer is coming to the Father, like Jesus said, in the name of Jesus. Whatever you'll ask the Father, John chapter 8, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And so prayer is for every single one of us and it doesn't have to be some, really, um, so many times real good connecting prayer is not some, oh, God, my Father who dwells in heaven, you know, hallowed be your name. But it's more like how you talk and how I talk. And uh, as you go to prayer and you say, Lord, you made all this. You made the whole earth, everything that I'm standing on. You are the creator of every living thing. You are my creator. You are my God. And I am coming to you because you started everything and you have the answers to everything and you set me free from all the power of the enemy and you said nothing would in any way harm me. This looks like it's harming me. I don't even know what to say. What should I say? What should I do? Give me the words. And then you stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) And you expect a response because you know that when you pray, you hear his voice. And call unto me, he said, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. And so, um, so you stop and you wait and he will answer you. Now the problem is, many times we're waiting, uh, I think I said it in a, maybe a couple of other messages, we're waiting for a sound wave to hit our eardrum and that to be interpreted by our brain as the sound. But he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then Romans chapter 8, he said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And so the primary way that God speaks to us is through our spirits. And I like to think of it, it's an inward knowing. It's an inward conviction. Have you ever been convicted? So a lot of times we think of conviction Uh, First of all, many times, just the same way we think of confession. So for years, when I heard the word confession, I thought, well, I didn't sin that I know of. You know, why are you asking me to confess my sins? You know, (laughs) but confession actually is uh, coming into agreement with what God said. And so certainly if you have sinned and you know it and you have not confessed it, well, then you have to come into agreement with that. And you say, yes, it's like a declaration. You say, yes, Lord, I messed up in that area. Forgive me. Because why? 
Otherwise, really, you're full of pride, and you're trying to say, like, it's all me, and I did all this, and I'm not even going to admit that. No, you just confess it, and it's gone. But then don't just stop there. Then you confess who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ. Why? You're declaring it. You're coming into agreement with that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And while you're saying that, you might think, well, I told this person off, or, well, I felt like I was supposed to give this an offering and I didn't do it, or, well, I made this mistake and now our house is caving in. When I was building some, all of a sudden this, I made this big mistake and it's all my fault and I can't believe this happened and if I wouldn't have done this and if I'd have prayed more, I'd have been connected with the Holy Ghost and then I would have known he'll show me things to come and I didn't, so it's all my fault. Well, you can't come to God that way. You have to come based on the word. And the word says that you have to come by the blood. And the blood is what Jesus has done for you. It's what Jesus has accomplished. And so then you say, Lord, I mean, I like to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. (laughs) I know I shouldn't have. You know, forgive me. Or I don't know what I was thinking. Or, you know, uh, went outside without a coat on. Or, you know, all this type of stuff. And um, forgive me, but I'm resting on what you did. And then you just move on. Because like I said, was it last week or the week before? The devil wants to control you. And the only way he can control you really is to deceive you. The only way people aren't, everybody's not going to heaven is because the Bible says he blinded those that would believe because if they saw the light of the gospel, then they would believe. And so the devil realizes that, so he blinds them. And so he does uh, what he can with us, which is he tries to get us on the negative side of things and the doubt side of things and pull us into his arena, right? Have you ever been with somebody that is just whining and complaining? You ever work with somebody? I've worked with people. And you go into the office or the job site and you show up and, man, you're having a good day and it's great. And you talk to the supervisor the day before and you had a great conversation and you're excited for maybe new responsibility and you show up and then, you know, John Doe's there and John Doe's like, this is the worst place to work. I'd never work at a place like this. These are the dumbest people and they treat you terrible and they don't care about you and they don't this and they don't that. And you're thinking... Uh, I'm describing a situation, but not with details. So you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking like, wow, I think it's a great place to work. Everything's good, you know. And boy, he got a bad attitude today. And but he keeps going and going, and you don't say anything. Like you know, you need to like lock that. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the Air Force term. They say you need to lock that up, Airman. <laughs> that means you need to shut that down. <laughs> Anyhow, you got to stop it. Uh, but he just keeps going and going, and all of a sudden, then I felt. Well, this isn't that good of a place to work. Maybe he's right. Maybe my perspective is wrong. And those thoughts start to come. And then I, then I start to think, you know, in different times, you know, because if you've been alive for very long, this stuff happens. Different times you kind of you almost get a bad attitude. And other times you're like, whoa, I'm getting away from you. <laughs> because this is not the truth, yet I'm succumbing to it. I'm starting to consider it. And I'm starting to think maybe this is true. But uh, we actually have authority to not do that. But what happens, we just kind of go with the flow. And uh, you're like, oh, I guess it must be that way. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself disappointed with a bad attitude. And again, you see this show up in um, somebody that is very combative and angry. And all of a sudden, they'll come up, and they're angry. And, you know, I'm just going to punch him, and I'm going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. And um, 
then they start to, it's called like borrowed offense, right? They start to tell you about all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you find like the hair on the back of your neck or your back is kind of like, well, if you're a woman, you don't have hair on your back, anyhow. But you just start to be like, oh. You start to get a little bit like, ooh, I'm going to get somebody, right? That same spirit that's on them tries to jump on you. And if you don't pay attention, it will. But you have to decide. It's, 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 it's of your will. No, I'm not going to do that. And so many times the way you direct your life, James talks about this, is with your tongue. If you can control your tongue, you can direct your whole body, just like a rudder directs a ship. And so I like to say, no, I'm not doing that. I don't believe that. Like I said yeah. earlier with um, uh, Pastor Mark, he said, I never make a decision based on uh, money or lack of money or area or temperature or natural things, basically. What was he doing? Whew, he just set his course. And so you can set your course. So sometimes we think authority is, oh, Satan, you take your hands off them in the name of Jesus, which it is that. But a lot of times authority is just exercising your will and saying, this is my summation of that, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. In other words, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to allow that in the area where I have dominion. You know, like if you're not in charge of the office, you can't affect the whole office, but you can affect what your area is and what your attitude is and what your thinking is. See, a lot of times we try to fight the battle after we're already overwhelmed. And so uh, we're sitting here thinking, oh, maybe this is a bad place. Maybe that was just, maybe they were faking me out when they said I could have these opportunities. Maybe they were lying to me. Maybe that's not true. You know, it must not be true. And all those thoughts are spinning around in your head and they're getting place. And then you get more thoughts and more thoughts and more thoughts. And all of a sudden you say, that's what happens. I'm just giving you a condensed, all of a sudden you blurt out. Well, I had a good experience yesterday, but maybe I was wrong. And then, well, yeah, I had a good experience before, but then they, that was a total lie. It was this, it was that. And then that gave more credence, and then your thoughts start going more, and then, whew, right? And so the Bible talks about those thoughts come, and you get those thoughts because of lust. And uh, I'm not talking like sexual lust, unless it's a sexual thing, but I'm saying like you, it's a strong desire uh, to figure it out and do this and do that, and it's a fleshly desire. And all of a sudden, those thoughts left unchecked, you know, uh, vain imaginations, uh, they will start to birth, and then they'll recreate after their own kind. And so then we say, I'm just a failure because I'm not uh, able to do this. Well, uh, half the problem is you resist, resist him at his very onset. Many times the very onset of the devil is a thought that is contrary to the word of God, just like in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? And the devil is not creative and he's not anything new. And, you know, there's actually laws in interpreting the Bible that you're supposed to use. And one is the law of first mention. And you look at how something is first mentioned in the word of God, and then that kind of sets a precedent for later on. So you can always look, if something is questioning what God said, and if it then is saying, uh, questioning his motives, which is exactly what the devil did in the garden, that's a really good indication that the devil is somehow trying to influence you, <laughs> yeah. right? You don't have to think of like, there's a demon standing right there feeding words into my head, I, whatever. You know, I don't think you have to deal with that. Um, you just, if the Lord reveals something, you take authority over it, you deal with it, but you just realize he's cunning and he's crafty and he masquerades like an angel of light. Mm -hmm. What is an angel of light? Well, this is going to be good for you. 
and this is going to uh, uh, make you wiser, and this is going to be better, right? That's exactly what he did to Eve. He said, God knows in that day you'll be like him, and he doesn't want you like him. And so uh, the devil is a deceiver, and he's a liar, and um, he's the father of lies, but we have authority over the devil. And you don't have to have a, um, tingly feeling to take authority over the devil. You don't have to be inspired to take authority over the devil. Right? I think, again, go back to the policeman example. He doesn't have to feel inspired to lift up his hands and stop the traffic. He doesn't have to feel like, oh, I prayed myself through, so now I'm going to lift up. No. He has authority. He lifts his hands. What happens? Traffic stops. Whether he feels good or feels bad or whatever. And so you don't have to feel spiritual in order to exercise your authority. You just have to do what the Word of God says. You know, I'll give you one more example, and that is um, uh, Brother Hagen had a, a young niece that lived with him for a period of time. Her name was Ruth, and uh, she, through the course of time, ended up getting married, and uh, she was filled with the Spirit, but she married a Baptist guy, and um, so he was unacquainted with uh, healing and different things like that, or at least uh, outside of just a miracle, uh, but faith healing he was not acquainted with. And um, they had a little boy, and the baby was born dead, the doctor said, and his face was completely caved in. And um, so it's like 2 or 3 in the morning, and they uh, called Brother Hagen, and he, it was dark, of course, and he got up and stubbed his toe on the way to answer the phone on the wall. My kids don't even know what a phone on the wall is. But <laughs> to answer the phone on the wall, and he answered the phone, and they said, uh, she said, Uncle Ken, Uncle Ken, Uncle Ken, the baby's dead or barely alive, and the face is all caved in. They said it's not going to survive, it's not going to live, and they had actually been declaring it dead right at that time. Um, and um, uh, he said, uh, you tell him, Uncle Ken says the baby will live and not die. And she said, did you hear from the Lord? Did the Lord speak to you? He said, no. Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 says, I believe it. It'll come to pass. Soon as she got off the phone, went back, and the Baptist boy, his son, he said, we were standing here watching. The doctors were there, and the face inflated like a balloon right in front of our eyes. He came back to life. But he told that story because he would always tell that saying, I didn't feel spiritual. He's like, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. You stubbed your toe. You're answering the phone. You're half awake. Uh, you really want to say something else. <laughs> but it's not about how you feel. It's about if you're going to act on what you believe. And if you believe you have authority, if you understand what the Word of God says, you just take your authority. And you stand your ground. Go ahead and uh, stand with me if you would. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word brings us life and understanding and revelation. But Father, we pray for each and every person here and listening and each and every member of your body, the body of Christ. Father, we pray for a light and wisdom and revelation concerning the authority that you have put into us, that you have given unto us. Father, we pray for each and every member of your body to rise up in the knowledge 
of the authority that you've given us. Father, that we drive back the forces of darkness and the forces of the enemy, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is declared around the world, that Jesus is seen by each and every individual for who he really is, that the love that is in him and the love thereby that is in us, Father, is seen and is known. We pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified in Washington, D.C. We pray for a mighty move of your spirit across this area and across our land. Father, that the main order of business around here would be the things of your kingdom. Father, that the main order of business would be people being born again and filled with your spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. I plead that blood over every person listening right now. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus. May what his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his seating at your right hand, what that accomplished, may that be for each and every one of us, alive in us, active in us, working in us, Father. I pray for clarity of assignments that you have given to each and every one of us, Father, that we would walk out and walk into your perfect plan for us, Father. Living in the rest, Father, partaking of your grace, Oh, Father, we thank you that you have given us this free gift, that you've given us this awesome gift. Oh, Father, we thank you for bringing us into your family. We pray, Father, for those in our region and in our area that don't know you, Father, that you will send out more people, give us more opportunities uh, to preach for him, to declare Christ, to live for Christ, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for each and every person. Each and every person that's alive on the earth, Father, we pray for laborers to be sent. We pray for your church to arise strong and bold and with the power of your spirit that our teaching and our preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and of power. That our faith, that every person's faith would not be in man's wisdom, but would be in your power. Oh, Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for leading us, guiding us, speaking to us, showing us what to say and what to do, where to stand, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for the presence and power of your Spirit within us. Thank you that the greater one is in us, and he's greater than any challenge, any difficulty, any thought, any depression, any sickness, any disease, any poverty, any lack, any of the power of the enemy. Father, thank you that you've set us free by the blood of Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Christ for us, for each and every one of us. Oh, Father, I pray that we would see and know. See and know that a spirit of seeing and knowing would flow amongst us, amongst your body, that there would be this one and that one used of you and moved by you, that there would be an opening of the supernatural, opening of the gifts of the spirit as never before, Father, that flowing amongst each and every member from the least to the greatest, from the longest to the youngest. Oh, Father, that there would be a great flow of your spirit. Father, that we would all be filled and filled again, filled and flooded with light, filled and flooded with revelation. Father, that we would step out as Christ in the earth, bold in our confidence in you, bold in your ability, bold in your spirit. Oh, Father, that your love in strong form would be seen, that your love in bold form would be seen, and that we'd have great confidence and great ability to yield unto you and to yield unto your spirit and to allow you to use us. We are here, Father. Vessels 
Our bodies are available to you. Our minds are available to you to think your thoughts. Our bodies to do your will, to lay hands so that you can lay hands on people. We declare, Father, we'll do your will. We'll let you work through us. We'll let you use us. We'll stand in your place. You give us the words which you always do, Father. Help us to be attentive to you, to your spirit, to your voice. Thank you, Father, that when we call, you answer. When we come into your presence, when we draw near to you, that you always draw near to us. Thank you that you're here right now directing us, leading us, guiding us, comforting us, strengthening us, opening up the realm in which you dwell, the spirit realm to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.